Folks, it's Masters Week. Let's fucking go. So we want to get right into this interview with Dr. Greg Carden, and then afterwards we're going to recap the Houston Open, do our matchups, and continue our Masters draft. So without further ado, here's Dr. Greg Carden. We are now joined by sports psychologist and founder of GC3 Performance Consulting. He has players on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry, and Latino America. And most importantly, he still can't beat me with six shots. Dr. Greg Carden. How's it going, Greg? It's going good. Yeah, if I could beat you with six shots, um, college golf is, is not what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> if you could beat Chris... If you could be a Chris with six shots, you wouldn't be doing this interview. That's that's probably true. That's exu- that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mike, you want to start us off? Yeah. So, um, so obviously we all are members at the same club uh, back home, just outside of Boston, with Greg. So we're all very friendly with him. Um, even though we are friendly with you, we still had to do a little bit of research. So okay. I know this, that you received your counseling, your counseling psych degree, your master's from BU, and then you found yourself working at Somerville High for a couple of years. That's right. You ended up, you ended up working with uh, some of the student athletes there. So can you go a little bit more in depth as to how that helps springboard your career, one, as a, uh, as a sports psychologist? And did you eventually end up seeing yourself becoming strictly a golf like a yeah uh that's a good question so i got my master's in in sports psych um and then decided to continue on because i enjoyed it um not really knowing what i was gonna do other than i didn't want to go back and get a job again so i kept going and uh with my doctorate and while i was there i started working yeah at somerville high school as actually a football coach uh, I never played football, but they needed some help and, and a guidance counselor. And, and so I, I worked sort of specifically, they sort of designed this program where I work specifically with, and with my help, the student athletes to provide sort of counseling support. And at the time, so I, prior to that, I'd been a coach and I'd worked at a boarding school and I'd sort of enjoyed working with high school kids. And so this was sort of a perfect opportunity for me to gain some more experience while I was finishing up my doctoral work. Um, and it, it, it was even better than I thought it was going to be. Um, the experience I got, it, it was nonstop counseling and being around kids. And it was just a great experience in a really cool environment. Some real high school working with these kids who, you know, a lot of them had jobs also like, and they were taking care of their, they came from single parent homes or no parent homes and, you know, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, in addition to coming to school and playing sports and living normal lives. So it was really good experience on that end. Uh, and I feel like even now where I work with, you know, a lot of professionals and older people that I love working with that age group where so many things are changing and developing and, and high school kids, um, there's a lot there's a huge need for it too so i feel like uh that's a, that's a really special place so at that point did you actually eventually see your main clientele being golfers or was that yeah. something you didn't expect no I, I i never really did that i always played golf and and had an interest myself and i also it's why i went back to school because i had an interest sort of in the mental approach to golf um so my thought was that I would continue working 
developing these high school programs, these youth development through sport programs where uh, you provide counseling through sport for kids. Um, but as most of those programs go, the funding sort of dried up. And when I graduated, I, I didn't have a job um, and started my own practice on a whim. Uh, started working with some golfers early on. They had some success and I was sort of off and running. So it was a lot of luck. Um, I, I never intended to work specifically in golf, but once I started, once we got it going, uh, it was hard to get away from it. And now, yeah, I'm probably 90% golfers and I really enjoy being in that space. We, uh, Chris previously alluded that you worked with, you know, golfers of the highest level, PGA tour, web tour. When a player comes to you and says, you know, I want to work with you and you have that initial con consultation with them we perceive these guys to be sort of, you know, as strong as they can be, nothing will face them. So when you sit down with them, what's kind of like the first thing that you're looking at that you observe within, within those few minutes that you try and hone in on? Yeah, everyone's a little bit different. And I think it's a good question that I think it's important to highlight that regardless of whether you play on tour and you've won tour events or you're a beginner, everyone sort of struggles with the same stuff. Um, the idea that, Sports psych to me is our ability to access the skill that we have. And when we can't access a skill, it's because we get in our own way. Um, so for the guys on tour, all they're trying to do is play with a sense of freedom, right? Where they can access the skill that they have. Same with a beginner. Uh, there's no technique that helps people think better. And that's not the, my goal is to not help people think better. It's to, basically change the relationship you have with your thoughts so that you can step out of your own way. Um, so nobody's immune from that and nobody's different. And, you know, athletes at the highest level sort of portray this, like you said, this mentally tough attitude in reality, they're pretty fragile, especially in golf, because things are constantly changing. Um, you may win one week and next week, miss the cut and you're right back to where you were. Uh, there are no guarantees. And as you both know, it's the hardest game there is. Um, so Sorry. it's a really interesting in that I talk to 10 year old kids the same way I do. I talk to tour players in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. So the goals are exactly the same, no matter who you're working with. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could really distill it down to that one idea of just trying to create freedom and that's all I'm trying to do. And there's a lot of ways to go about it and how do we get there? But the idea is, it's as simple as that. I always say that it's simple as far as an understanding, not so easy to do um, that I can't tell people how to think and I can't tell them what to think. I don't have that power. Sports psych sort of, there's this sort of myth that you can give somebody sort of a mindset to take with them and we can tell someone how to think and that you have to think a certain way to play well. In reality, when I ask people all the time how they you know, when they were playing their best, what they were thinking about, they all say nothing or they don't know. So why yeah. would we try to give people something different to think about um, when what we're trying to sort of cultivate is this sense of no, no thinking or no thoughts? It's not really what's happening, but that's how it feels. Yeah, Chris and I can allude to it. I mean, when we're playing our best golf, literally nothing is in our mind. You know, we yeah. just step to the ball and we can hit it. Sure. Well, so here's the... And this is, this is, that's the misconception. It's not that you're not thinking, it's that you're thinking, but that's not registering because you're so engaged with what you're doing, right? That thoughts no longer matter. 
It's when we start to hang on to our thoughts and believe them and sort of follow them and try to change them and block them out that we create tension. And that's not being free. Right. Well, that's like where we know that we're going to play our best if we're in that that sure. zone. But that when you're trying to actively reach that state, then you start thinking more. And oh, then you start thinking about right. how you're not thinking. And then, you know, then you start fighting yourself and you start fighting your consciousness. That's yeah. exactly right. So this idea that I can go out there and create this environment is what causes all our struggles, right? Or that you can create this perfect mindset. And like I said before, or you ask people when they played their best, did you wake up that day and do something different? They all, always say no, always. So yeah. the last thing I want to do is make it seem like I can help somebody think better or that they need to think better to play well. And that's just not true. What do you mean by do something different? Do something different. Like I'm having these crazy thoughts and I need to change them. Or I need to show okay. up with this mantra that I'm going to recite to myself and this pre-shot routine that I'm going to, you know, use on every single shot. And I'm going to stick to this mindset. And I'm going to block out all these negative thoughts. And, and that's how I'm going to play well. Right. Well, and now we've created this sort of shitstorm of thought, which is what causes our problems in the first place. Well, it's interesting that you said that quote, I'm going to block out all this thought. I, from what I can tell, you're a big mindfulness guy and I, I am as well. You almost take the exact opposite approach in where you want to acknowledge that thought and realize it's present. That's right. Because thoughts don't do anything. It's, it's how we respond to thoughts. If we're fighting those thoughts, right, blocking them out, subconsciously, we're trying to change them because as human beings, if we sense danger or fear or anything, we're going to respond to it. If we have those thoughts available to us and we recognize them, we don't need to fight them anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So the idea that I'm thinking about, I'm staying on the first tee and I'm thinking about hitting one that, you know, the pools to the right on the first tee, I don't want to hit it in the pool. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to think that, right. That's causing me a lot of discomfort and I don't want to embarrass myself in front of all these people. So I'm going to sort of reprogram myself or reframe myself and just think about the fairway. Okay. Well now I'm thinking about the fairway, but that thought is still there and now I'm fighting because it's, it's sort of building inside me. And now I've created all this resistance and tension. And there's a good chance I'll probably might hit it in there. Now I can't swing the golf club, right? Whereas if you stand on that first tee and you acknowledge that the pool is there, and I may think about hitting it in the pool, but if I had the power to think about hitting it there and actually hit it there, you know, I'd have all the problems, my problems solved. It, it's allowing those thoughts to just sort of be there and leaning into them versus fighting them. That, that's a, yeah, that's, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, and that makes total sense. Now, it's hard because getting back to sort of our species being human, when we sense danger or fear, we, we're going to really fight it, right? No matter what. It's a deep, it's deep-seated. It's deep in our DNA to turn away from discomfort. So we really have to train ourselves in a way to, to feel uncomfortable. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, getting comfortable with discomfort is like sort of a cliche. A lot of people don't know really what that means. It's, it's recognizing discomfort. It's being aware of discomfort and just letting it be there without turning away from it. So what do you do when, when you're in a crucial moment, let's say you're standing on the 18th tee and you need a par to win, or you need a, you know, you need a par to break 80 for the first time or 70 for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you, you realize you recognize that you're not in a great mental state. How can you kind of try? There's to no great. That's a good question. There's, you know, that's a, sort of common scenario and you could apply that to any sort of pressure situation there is no great mental state and that's where the problem comes from right the idea that 
I'm, I'm having all these crazy thoughts about what I'm supposed to do right now. And I know I'm not supposed to do that. So now I'm judging myself. Now I'm saying I'm not thinking the right way. And the second I do that, I'm trying to think a different way than I'm actually thinking right now. And anytime we resist what's happening in this moment, regardless of what it is, you're screwed. You're going to create the tension, right? So the idea that there is this correct mindset is, is actually where a lot of this work starts. There isn't. You don't have to think any way to play well. Mm-hmm. You need to approach it with awareness so that you don't fight it. That's it. And, and to remove judgment, right? So the, the example I use for judgment is, and again, that's a lot of the work too, is to removing this judgment. The, the kid who's told by his parents and his teachers and his coaches to, to not get mad when they play golf. Uh, you guys probably heard it, right? Or you've seen yeah, it. It's just part of golf right. culture. Like, don't get mad. Okay, so now the kid yeah. says, that's great. I'm going to go out and not get mad. And he goes out and hits his first bad shot. And what happens? <laughs> he gets a little gets mad. mad. Yeah, because he's a human being. So now, instead of just getting mad and moving on, which is, there's no problem at all. And this is where we get confused with why anger is bad. We get mad at ourselves for getting mad. And right. now we've created this fight with ourselves. Y'all, you dumbass, you can't do that. You're not supposed to. I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough to play this game because I, I can't not get mad. And that's where anger becomes an issue. Not the anger from hitting a bad shot and our disappointment and frustration that goes away, but the judgment that we cast on ourselves doesn't. And that's what, that's what we got to start to dig into. And so removing that judgment, uh, recognizing when we're doing it is another sort of key to cultivating freedom. Now, are there ways that you teach to train your mind or exercises that you do outside of the golf course to better prepare yourself? Yeah. I mean, there's all, that's what meditation is really. And it's, a, it's our ability to sort of sit with our thoughts and just sort of pay attention to them without doing anything, without judging them. And that, that's, that's really in reality, the only, I believe exercise we can do to help develop awareness. And that's what we're trying to accomplish is awareness is the greatest skill a golfer can develop in terms of a mental approach. It's just, again, the idea that we're not fighting ourselves. We need to be aware of what's in front of us so we don't feel the need to fight it. So now in terms of encore stuff and, the only thing I have guys do every once in a while is to periodically check in with themselves, right? It sounds silly, but you stand on that first tee, you ask yourself, what am I thinking? Or how am I feeling? Right? The, the answer is irrelevant. But what that does is it allows those thoughts and feelings to be here versus behind us where we're sort of dealing with them subconsciously. Or thinking uh, too far ahead. Yeah. Just, just keeping everything right, right out in the open. Right. So it's not, nothing's hidden. And that's a little sort of thing guys can do. And there's ways to, uh, there's all other little things you can do to help sort of call center ourselves. So you bring yourselves back to a point where you can see those thoughts where we're not sort of on autopilot and we're not missing all valuable information that we need to take in. We're not turning away from discomfort um, or challenge or or any of that stuff. So, but it all comes from this first awareness. And that's the most important piece in all this is, is developing awareness and, you, you can help develop awareness through, through meditation. So say you're working with a player, you know, they're in the lead Sunday, come down the stretch. Maybe they haven't won or they haven't won in a long time. And they, and they see, they see that leaderboard and they start to, and they start to panic a little bit. What would you tell them if you were their caddy? Uh, same thing. You know, what, what are you panicking about? What does it mean to you? Right. What what's causing the discomfort? A lot of times it's I'm not. Oh, I forgot. I'm not supposed to look at leaderboards. And I just did. Now I'm screwed. Right. You can't tell me that looking at a leaderboard actually has an effect on how someone swings the golf. Right. 
There's no direct connection right. to that. There's a lot of steps that take place in between looking at the leaderboard and then swinging that golf club. Right. right. So, and, and then it gets back to some of the stuff I, I really enjoy in that golf is never about hitting good shots. It's about, it's only about making good swings. That's all we can do is make yeah. a good golf swing. Right. And, and when we start to, you know, introduce targets and score and labels, well, that's when we start to create some problems, right? Things get a little bit more difficult. If you can boil it down to just making good golf swings, regardless, like that's always the objective doesn't change whether you're playing on Sunday at the masters or playing by yourself, the objective is to make a good swing. Mm -hmm. The only thing that changes is the stories, the stories, the leaderboard, creates the stories the score creates the story the match creates the story the course creates these are all stories right which are thoughts and what we talked about before thoughts don't hit golf shots they're just there and we observe them and let them go and the the ball doesn't know what the leaderboard is the ball doesn't know what you're thinking i mean always gets back to that right right, that idea that nothing changes except the stories and the game is simple in that way and that you're just trying to make good golf swings so now, during a tournament week with your players, how do you look to make an impact in maybe those few days that you're with them that you can help them perform better? Are you just answering questions or are you, are you actively looking for something? Yeah, I mean, can- sometimes there are more glaring things going on, like they're struggling for the last couple of weeks or there's been a lot of anger or there's something going on at home. Or, um, but most of the time, it's just being there to, to chat to talk, to, to, to support or to mentor or to counsel, the tour is kind of a circus. So a lot of the guys like to surround themselves with people they feel comfortable with. Um, so being in that environment can help create some, a level of comfort, not that it's needed, but, um, so that they're feeling okay. Um, when it's time to tee up. And then other times there's deep things to sort of dig into. Like maybe your guys pressing a little bit too much in a practice round or they're working on too much stuff. And we talk about more specific things like getting back to this idea of just, Hey, let's make a couple, even with these guys, let's not pick a target. Let's make a good golf swing and see what happens. Right. Try to get back to that idea of freedom because even at the highest level, a lot of those guys don't know what they're trying to accomplish during practice rounds. Right. Trying to get a sense. Kind of relieving to hear. Yeah, it's, well, it is. And it's, and also the fact that they, we all struggle with the same stuff because we're all human beings and nobody's immune from, from that, regardless of whether you plan to, or you're a beginner, it's all the same type of stuff. And, and so it's really nice to have another set of eyes on that. Right. So, because sometimes we get so wrapped up in what we're doing that we don't see it. And oftentimes it's never something drastic it's a small little shift big believer in this idea of less being more and i say that guys pay me all the time to tell them to do nothing <laughs> and in golf that's the hardest thing to do right? right like how hard it is that you have a bad round to go home it's always the best thing to do i think but it's also the hardest so when you feel lazy because you're not putting in the work after we'll say well see how hard it is next time and see how hard it is to walk away and then maybe you might change your mind and judging yourself about being lazy it's yeah. easy to go to the range. It's programmed. It's, it's become our routine. It's not so easy to walk away. And it's hard. I mean, that's a really hard thing to get, especially these guys who've been doing this their whole lives. Yeah, 100%. So do you observe 
more sort of like that mental clutter or lack of freedom with players who maybe are fighting for status on the tour, maybe don't have as high a priority as compared to, you know, that guy who's, you know, fighting every year to get to the tour championship. Nope. It's all, it's all collection of stories, right? I talked to a guy yesterday who's, 30 years old he's been playing mini tours he's had some success he's very good he's never made it like it's all these are all just story and and there's sort of they're all common stories right regardless of where you stand on the pecking order the stories are the same or trying to make enough money or trying to support a family or trying to uh, win your first event or trying to win your second event or trying to win a major or trying to get in the hall of fame i mean there's all they're all stories all come back to that idea of just trying to make good swings so you are trying to be free enough to access the skill that you have. Now, again, you got to, this is why golf is interesting in that you have to work hard, right? Of course. You've got to work hard, but hard work guarantees shit. There right. are no guarantees in golf. <laughs> That's the only job in the world where you don't get sort of any. Paid accordingly. Yeah. You just don't. Right. How many guys show up to tournaments say everything's going great and they play crappy or, or they win out of nowhere. They miss 20 cuts in a row and all of a sudden they win. Yeah. Look at Brian Gay happens all the time right so we try to create this perfect idea where you have to build consistency and play well to 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 keep playing well and it's just it's not true every day is new right and it's funny like with that idea we were talking about earlier how we assume that since these guys made it to the tour that they're all killers it's i want to bring up this idea of being afraid to win because it it doesn't sound intuitive but golfers know that feeling especially if you're in contention late in a tournament or let's say you're, you know, your front nines, your best nine. Right. And so now you're going for, for your career round, or you're going for a course record, you're trying to take it crazy deep, or you're looking to win for the first time and you're almost afraid to win. Yeah. Do you think tour well, players have afraid, that sensation too? You're sure. You're afraid to put yourself in a position to fail is more what it is. And that's what happens. It's, you know, it's why guys, love playing in the third or fourth group versus the fir- the last group, the third or fourth to the last, because, there's you less, know, there's you feel like spot. you're playing with nothing to lose. That's right. It, it, and again, the, all these are stories, right? Like that we create, but that's, a, that's a really common one. The guys are afraid to sort of put themselves out there and, and fail. And not so much. It's, it's not so much about, what others are going to say as because others get on with their lives. It's how we're going to feel about ourselves. The judgment Mm -hmm. that we're going to cast upon ourselves is going to be so debilitating that I would rather just sort of stumble around and finish, you know, middle of the pack. And the other funny thing is guys, it's just assume, Oh, once I get that first win, smooth sailing, right? Right. Like everything will be great. It's not even close. Because you wake up on Monday morning and you're right back where you were. You're a tour winner, but now you got to get the second win. That's just tour. This is for anybody. Right. And, and while I can't be a guy who just says two win, I now I don't want to win a major. I got to win the big tournaments now. Right. And then and now I got to win majors. And now I got whatever. And the, and the list goes on and on. And we're always looking for more. And then you wake up 30 years from now, look back on your career, and you say I, I wasted the whole time because I, I, I never was sort of content. And this is a scary word for athletes to be content. I was never content with where I was. I never stopped to enjoy where I was. It's fascinating to bring that up because, you know, once you get that first one, you still got to get the second and it's kind of back to square one. I think I heard. It never ends. I think I I heard David Duvall talk about it. You know, he won the 
the British in, I believe, 2001. And he's sitting on the plane with the claret jug and then did all his media stuff. And he just kind of said to himself, like, this is it. This wasn't what it cracked up to be. This one isn't what I thought it was going to be. So there's, an, there's another good concept that I'm a big believer in. And golfers and all athletes assume that you, ha- you're, you can only be happy after you succeed. Correct? Like, I'll work my ass off and then I'll win and then I'll be happy. I believe that if we find fulfillment and enjoyment first, success follows. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do we find ways to plug in to feel fulfilled in what we're doing now and not put off or delay gratification for, you know, time down the road? Who, why would we do that? Be, and, and a great example. When I win, I'll be happy. Okay, now I won and I'm not half as happy as I thought I was going to be. And it only lasted a day. Right. Yeah. Right? It's like, what a waste of time. And now this is how guys get burnt out. There's no enjoyment. Constantly reaching and searching for more. And it never gets there. So challenge yourself to seek fulfillment and engagement and enjoyment prior to finding success. And I think you'll be surprised at how quickly things may turn around. Do you have any, just quickly, do you have any funny stories or interesting conversations that you've had with any players that stick out to you? Um, I mean, I think it's not so much that they're funny. I think the most you know, the message being that I have the same conversations with the best players in the world that I do with guys at the club. Right. Yeah. They're the exactly. same conversations. That's and I think crazy. that is probably the most meaningful sort of totally. piece is that like, they're still, they're playing the same game, trying to do the same thing, cooking up the same stories. Right. Because we're all human and nobody's immune from that. I think it's a really important message. And like you said, everyone looks at, and look, the guys that are winning and those are the only ones we see are playing great golf and they look like nothing can go wrong, but they're on the inside. They're struggling. I don't mean struggling, but they're, they're creating all the same. Right. Chaos. Yeah. They're, they're walking the line. Yeah. And they're not able to sleep the night before. And they're not, you know, they're worried about what if I get in a position to win and I don't win. Right. And all the same stuff. And I think that's really an important message to everybody that because Here's the other thing. You guys see a guy like Brooks and DJ and all these guys and say, oh, I want to be like them. I want to think like those guys. Well, you already do. Right. 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 You just can't hit good golf shots. Right. Yeah. Right. right. You got other issues. Yeah. They're they're just (laughs) infinitely better. There is no right way to think. Right. And, And really, that can be super liberating for people who have been fighting this mental battle their whole lives and thinking they have to think better. Totally. Absolutely. And this gets back to this idea of helping, telling guys to do nothing. Like a college kid called me yesterday, what am I supposed to do before this tournament? I'm nothing, go play. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but that, right? right. Like what else are you going to do? Right, right. So yeah. really playing and the, the idea of enjoying and being fulfilled and engaging and not turning away from discomfort or challenge because that's what the game is. That This 10-year-old kid the other day loves golf. We were playing and I asked him what he loves about it. And he said, well, I love the challenge. It's why I play. And I said, well, why do you get mad when you hit a bad shot? If you hit all good shots, it wouldn't be challenging. Uh, uh, and then you would yeah. like it. You just told me you like it because it, it's a challenge. Right. right. So it's just funny. And there's a lot of golf is a very strange game and stuff like that. It's funny that, you know, you say, don't think about anything, just play. Because, you know, we, because then we acknowledge that we're not supposed to think about anything. And then we step on and see and you say, 
Think of nothing. Think of nothing. Yeah. Well, it's and, not, it's not, but right. down, it's you're not thinking of everything. You're thinking it's, of don't let everything. the thoughts matter. The thoughts don't matter. Right. It's not, it's not, not, I would never say not, don't think. And that, that's like kiss of death. Right. Yeah. It's not don't think about the water on the right or don't you block totally. all that stuff out. It's, it's think all you want. It doesn't matter is really what it boils. That's the message, right? The yeah. content of our thinking doesn't matter. And do you know why people just assume it's better to have good thoughts than it is bad thoughts? People think you can't hit good shots with bad thoughts. That's yeah. one of them, right? So you stand on that first tee and you think about piping one down in the middle. You know what you do? You swing. Mm -hmm. You don't do anything. You stand on that first tee and you have a thought about hitting one in the pool. What do you do? You don't swing. You fight mm -hmm. yourself. You can do the same thing with both thoughts because they're, they're the same thing. Just the content is a little bit different. So, yeah, and creating that environment, is it gets us farther and farther away from it. Yeah. Did, has anybody kind of like ever been like, you know, mid-tournament, sleeping on lead, do they just they just call you up and it's just like, Greg, I don't know what the fuck to do. Sure. Way more than when they're playing crappy, right, which sounds funny. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't hear from guys when they're not playing good. It's only when they're playing well. And that's the last thing I want to do is which get is away crazy. that. Right. Yeah. It just goes more uh, crazy and funny the games. So then your job from that point, just kind of like to understand, to help that Tell player. Them to do nothing. But then to help that player <laughs> understand, you know, what they're, what they're doing that is helping them play well mentally. Yeah. So that the call is good because it helps them to sort of center again and get away, be aware that, Oh yeah, what I'm thinking is normal and not necessary and not an issue. And, and again, normalizing it is really important because when we have these crazy thoughts or we wake up in the middle of the night and we're, our minds are racing, we tend to isolate and think, Oh, why does this only happen to me? Why can't I be like Brooks or DJ or any of these other guys who they don't even, that doesn't even register with them. Well, that's not true. Right. It's all, we're all the same And that common, that shared human suffering um, can help <laughs> Totally. feeling so isolated and feel like something's wrong with me and feel like I have to judge myself. And that's what it is. It helps to remove judgment. Mm -hmm. It's weird how backwards this game is. Yeah. It is. Everything about it is it's backwards. so backwards. There's nothing that sort of is in line. Yeah, this game is full of you know like paradoxes, and it's just mm -hmm. really the most counterintuitive game when you come when you come to think about it a little more deeply. Yeah, it is, and there's so many examples of it. So, starting to unravel some of those and helping guys understand those is is a lot of what this is. Yeah. So I, for so for maybe like for the weekend warrior, you know, they're playing around, you know maybe like a five, $5 NASA or, you know, playing a skins game with their, with their buddies. And, you know, what, what would be kind of like that first thing that you would tell them on the first tee, you know, to help them, to help them play well or not, you know, sh shit a brick about, you know, how yeah. much money is on the line or am I going to get smoked by my friends? Sure. The, the, the advice is always invite all the thoughts that you have, see if you can actually verbalize them to yourself and then stand in there and swing the golf club. You can't shut those thoughts off, but it's not necessary to think well. Right? And, and the more time you spend in that discomfort, because it, it is uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely. The less, the less you fear it. So could you imagine showing up to the golf course knowing that it didn't matter what you thought? There's an old oh, quote my, that we, we are not the thinker, right? Thoughts occur. We're, we are not the thinker. They just appear. Well, that's what Lee Westwood was saying a couple of years ago, that he was in a huge slump and he just decided not to give a fuck when he was playing. 
He's yeah. just, I'm just not going to, he just, just, he just stopped caring. Sure, that's easier he started said than playing done. so well. That's right. But it's always the same thing. It's always when you played your best too. I wasn't thinking about it and I didn't care. Right. 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 Yeah. When we care, like all those other things start to kick in judgment and fear and anxiety. And uh, when we don't care, hard to have like, fear. Don't, when you don't care. You don't want to get in a fight with a guy that's not afraid to die. <laughs> but, right. But you still want to attach meaning to what a win or, you know, a top absolutely. And again, it's the sensation is not, you, you he does care. Totally. And it's okay to care. It's more that we can disconnect a little bit from the result or not. You can mm-hmm. still be upset and, and pissed off. It still doesn't mean you can't play with freedom. Yeah. As long as you're not avoiding the discomfort. If I avoid shooting it, if I play to avoid shooting 80, I'm going to play bad. If I allow myself to be uncomfortable and, and pissed off and all that I can play with more freedom. Well, that's yeah, where I really care about that. When I started putting a lot better was when I just started putting with no expectations and I'm just putting to hit a good stroke. I'm just hitting good that's strokes. Right. The ball's getting in the way. Nothing else really matters. So that, that's a good, that's a good thought that guys have too. like, you see, especially younger kids make these perfect practice swings right next to the ball. And then they step right. in and the swing completely changes. Cause they're not the balls gets in the way yeah right you're not making a swing anymore you're trying to hit a shot same with same with putting it's okay to get pissed if they don't go in totally right yeah and and when you allow yourself that you can be more free because there's no like hit there's no avoidance yeah so resistance it's funny that chris brought up uh you know the putting i went through a really bad time with putting a few years ago like i was legitimately twitchy chris can allude to it and and I was going to my coach. I'm like, I do not know what to do. And, and he's like, Oh God. And we're on the practice screen and we just, and we just panic and look up something that you wrote. And, and the main thing that you wrote in this article was detach yourself from the results of the putt. And I putted instantaneously better. Yeah. It's good. It's a good example. And it's again, it, but with the understanding, it's not always easy to do that. Right. Like, so like the Lee Westwood example is danger in that. So the guy shows up at the golf course and says, oh, I'm just not going to care today. Well, it's not, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Right. Same thing with the putting. It's a little bit more complicated, but it's a good place to start. So putting, it, um, because it's so black and white, you see it go in or not. Like you could hit, you could miss every fairway and still shoot a really good score. Putting, it's, it's all right there in front of you. Right. Getting more uh, reactive when you putt. Stepping in and hitting the ball. Like this, again, doing less. Remove your routine, take a look and let it go. All these like little cues to tap into your instinct is usually what the issue is, right? And I think realizing, go ahead. What's that? I was going to say, I think realizing that it's hard, realizing that it's backwards and that it's weird kind of helps too. Well, to you've have- got to support yourself, right? Because it's the hardest game there is. Right. Absolutely. Maybe maybe dig into some of the tour stats to see how many putts these guys miss, you know, inside 10 feet, you know, with a percentage. It's crazy. So we tend to not be so nice to ourselves, right? So so more human nature, how we motivate ourselves to just sort of keep banging away, especially part of in our culture, to keep getting angry at ourselves. So I like to have people adopt the voice. And again, it's a feeling, it's not a just patting yourself on the back and say, Oh, it's gonna be okay. Um, if your best friend was in the same situation you were struggling with it, what would you say to them? You wouldn't kick them while they're down and right. Tell them they suck. But that's what we do to ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. So starting to, to adopt that voice can help because then guess what? Now that's when the result doesn't matter. You detach from the result, meaning you're going to feel fine and support yourself regardless of whether the puck goes in or not. How nice would that be to know that if you shoot a hundred or you shoot 60, you'll still be pretty good. Totally. Cause we don't fear shooting a bad score as much as how it's going to feel. Well, Greg, I know that you got to, got to run. So we'll probably wrap this up within the next minute or two. Yeah. Right, Mike, guys. do you have anything else just really quickly? I mean, we have like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have any other questions, Greg. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Great being with you guys. Enjoy uh, talking golf. Always. Thank you so much, Greg. You got it guys. Okay. What an interview from Greg Carden. Sean, you missed a lot there. I did miss a lot and I probably could have used it the most actually. Yeah. <laughs> maybe after, maybe after uh, Mike, but yeah, I think Mike could have used it the most, but yeah, I mean, he has helped me before. Good interview. It applies to anyone. I mean, you can use this stuff if you're a plus five or if you're a 25. So really good stuff all around. Yeah. Awesome guy. Um, so let's talk about Houston. What a week. Carlos Ortiz. Absolute killer. That was awesome. He did not waver one bit. Except for, yeah, he hit that sick shot on, was it 16, the par five? Where he walked it, where he walked it down. That was awesome. Yeah. And then he would have been cooler if he made the pot. Yeah. But what are you going to do? I mean, he's just, he has unflappable 17, 18, just solid forcing DJ to make birdies. And, you know, he made one, one too few. Yeah. It's pretty cool to, to win your first uh, PGA tour event by, by staring down the number one player in the world. Yeah. For it's sure. sick. That was a pretty stacked leader. Like it honestly looked like a kind of a bootleg leaderboard yesterday. I mean, you had Dowie Vanderwalt, Sepp Straka, Sam Burns, who's a, you know, a good up and coming player. And, uh, and Carlos Ortiz among like J day and, and DJ obviously, but it ended up being a total heavyweight leaderboard. When you look down at it right now, I mean, it's DJ Brooks, Hideki Ortiz. So you had the big guys coming out on top eventually. And Carlos Ortiz just took him down head to head. Hideki made a sick run too. I mean, he started putting well. Yeah. He, he made that. two, he made two straight putts and I don't think I've ever seen him do that. Chris thinks he's the best putter on PJ tour. What? No, no, no. I said he has a <laughs> sick stroke. He has a sick putting stroke. I hate Hideki's I putting hate stroke. His stroke. What? How? It looks like he's trying to hit a driver. Like he's standing so far away from it. He's got How the really can you wide hate the stance. inverted toes. The, he like lifts the putter really up. He doesn't yeah. take it back. No, normally. he does like the uh, tapping. He does the tapping. The tapping's cool. I like the tapping. Yeah, Other that's a good that, thing. Though. But I think it's a testament to the golf course this week that in those two days, the cream truly rose to the top. All the best, all the best players this week were at the top of the leaderboard come, come the back nine on Sunday. On what turned out to be a sick golf course. This is an awesome Insane. Course. That's what I was going to talk about. I, I didn't get to watch a lot today, but I watched a lot of featured groups on Thursday, Friday, and a little bit yesterday. And the golf course really stood out to me. You could get – really, what makes a PGA Tour golf course difficult – is firm greens with chipping areas and pitching areas and runoffs and crazy slopes around them. And that's exactly what this golf course had. I mean, we got all of that and it really made it fun to watch. You got a lot of really interesting pitch shots. You saw guys playing bump and runs into the sides of a, 
a hill. There were runoffs and guys were running it up there with three woods. Jay Day yesterday on that drivable par four, he bumped, hit a bump and run three wood up, like up the slope. You never see guys doing that. I mean, that's you see that shot. bunker shot that Brooks hit the other day where he used the backstop. Yeah, Literally that played was insane. 90 yeah. degrees. Yeah. I loved that. Shout yeah, out you don't Jay see Day. That. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was just going to say, you don't see that at, at like, you know, a wing foot or a pebble beach. It's, it's deep rough. It's you're hitting flop shots everywhere, trying to stop the ball quick. This place you could get a little bit more creative, which I really enjoy watching. Yeah, I it agree. is insane. I want to shout out Jay Day on my master's team. He's the hottest player in the world right now. Mm, and besides he? Baba, he might be my pick to win the Masters. But Baba's going to win the Masters. I know that you have a vendetta against him, but you're going to disrespect Tyrrell Hatton like that? Yeah, Tyrrell's playing. Uh, yeah. Jay Day's playing really well, though. I, I don't know if he's the hottest player in the world, but it seems like he's kind of found his, his iron play and his driver a little bit. He wasn't super steady just based on the eye test off the tee this week. But, I mean, the way he rolls the rock, the way he chips it, it he's going to be up there if he hits the ball okay. Rock solid. And yeah. I think the guys who played well this week will will play well next week. Because, I agree, yeah. Because I think this course truly placed an emphasis on solid iron play. That's what every dope course does because his greens are so severe. You need to position it perfectly. And all – and all the players at the top were, are great iron players. Hideki, great iron player. DJ, awesome iron player. Brooks is a great iron player. Jason yep. Day, another phenomenal iron player. Yep. Apparently, Carlos Ortiz is a great iron player. <laughs> Apparently Car so. Carlos Ortiz, his swing looks like a 12 handicap. I'm sorry. Because he has that janky follow-through where his legs sway forward, and then he, like, recoils the club a little bit. It doesn't look athletic, but it's yeah. – it's, he looks it's like he's so swinging solid, in a straight jacket. It, it does a little bit. It does. But, it, I mean, it works. It works. And, and I, It looks like a buncher swing. Uh, it kind of looks is, like a yeah. swing that we're all familiar with that we play with someone back at home. But he, he kind of taps it. Yeah, he, he's not short by any means. Yeah. I um, also want to talk about Sepp Straka. He looks just like John Rahm. Every time he's, he's stepping hoss. up to a putt. He's a big boy. <laughs> I thought it was wrong. He is. I kept yeah. mixing up him and Dowie Vanderwalt this week. Those guys are yeah. both absolutely. <laughs> Imagine being on the O-line and seeing Sepp Straka running, on, running at you. <laughs> I'd be horrified. But yeah, big shout out to Memorial Park this week. I thought that was the, the standout of the week. Out of anything that happened, yeah. the golf course stood out the most. Anyone could have won that tournament, and the golf course just shined. You want to know something? The golf course was such a star that it took me 20 minutes to through the cover to 20 minutes during the coverage, and I'm like, oh my god, there's fans here. I completely <laughs> yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, it was sick actually. The one thing yeah. I will say about the course and and Mike, it kind of leads into what you're saying about the fans too. I mean, the course it seemed to play difficult the first few days. And it's a little unfortunate that uh, we didn't get it as exciting of a finish on Sunday, because I think the course played a little too easy today. And I don't know if that was part partially the weather or the wind know, was lack down. of wind, or it played a little softer, but I would have liked to see it play really, really difficult again today. And I think it would have led to a more exciting finish. 
But I, I mean, sometimes it's just out of out of your control. You can't control the weather. It looked like the course dried out a lot over the week. That course is very dry. Yeah. But I think the wind died down today, and that yielded some really low scores. I think we saw three sixty threes today. Yeah, that's yeah, just gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, these guys are so good. I mean, what can you do about it? So I want to I want to get to our matchups, and in doing so, I want to talk about a little guy by the name of Cam Davis. I don't think we've talked about him yet on this pod. I don't I think go, so. I don't think so. Okay, so I'm bringing him up for the first time. I want to mention his four rounds this week. He opens with a 67. Okay, which is his average, pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, average 67, right? Great golfer. It's like Cam Davis in the mix, like I said last week. Okay. He's what is he, co-lead or is he one back? He was one I, back, yeah. T2. Yeah, Sean posted on our Instagram, like, here comes Cam Davis, right? Here he comes. I saw that on, on Thursday. And I'm like, wow, this course is actually hard. Yeah. Okay, we get to Friday. He goes 76, six over, makes the cut on the number. Okay. Classic. It's classic Cam Davis. We get to the weekend. He shoots seven over 77 with a quad on his last hole. That's a tough scene. Then he gets to Sunday and shoots a five over 75 to close out the week. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Is this not exactly what I predicted? He's dead last by six shots of people who made the cut by six shots. He's dead last. But you know what, Chris? He beat half the field. That is true. He beat he half the some field money. by making the cut. Exactly. And he exactly. didn't play. Exactly. He didn't he's... play his best golf. Obviously, he's still got it. I mean, he shot six. He's still got it. First day. He's the gold standard of mediocrity. He makes the cut and he's DFL who make the cut. He's rusty. He hasn't played in a while. It's unbelievable. Hey, you know who he beat this week? I'm not going to take that. It's unbelievable. Hey, Chris, you know who he beat this week? Who? Me? Jordan Spieth. Wow. That's cold. I mean, did you see where he was hitting it? That's really cold. Spieth. Can we just talk about that back nine on Thursday? Chris thought Spieth was going to win. It's the tale of two Spieths. The tale yeah. of two Jordans. I mean, Spieth it's it's now the tale of Spieth. Like, that is Spieth now. It's just what he does. He just – he's going to throw up a triple at some point. Six over or, on the he last make a triple, six though. holes. He made two, tri- two doubles in three holes, I think. Yeah, he went bogey, so bogey, double six. par, bogey. I meant double par, double. Yeah, Oof. it was hard to watch. I actually watched it all happen. It was, I mean, it's, he hit one of the biggest quack hooks off the tee <laughs> on the short par four with the water the, uh, on the back nine. I could not believe how far left this ball went. Like legit, he, probably 120 yards left of where he was aiming. He truly has a two way miss. Actually, it's unbelievable. He got unlucky there though. He did. He got unlucky with the second shot going yeah. down into the water. But at the same time, you're like 200 yards left of where you should be. <laughs> so I don't really pity him that much. He also bogeyed his final hole to miss the cut by one. Yeah. And he did hit the fairway on that hole, too. He's no, it was up. part three. Oh, sorry. Because he was, played the back three. first. Yeah. Um, he actually – I'm looking at the shots now. Oh, my God, no. This is so dark. He missed a four-footer. 
Oh, oh right. the four footer for par on his last hole to miss the cut by one. That's so uh, bad, Jordan. Come on. I mean, what do we think of him next week? Like, does he actually have a chance? No, yes, he does. He does. Because it, it's does. Jordan. It's Augusta. It's, yeah. Everybody we technically watching, has a chance. We were watching 2015 highlights. It's insane. Yes. <laughs> we we, oh. we were grinding out the 2015 highlights. And it's insane how good of a putter Spieth was back in 2015. And still is. And still is, actually. That's the but, sad part. He's such a good putter still, but he can literally not find the club face. Yeah. Chris and I, we know we were talking about it. We were like, dude, speed swing back in 2015, 2016 was so sick. And it, it even is now. It's pretty sick. I think it's a But sick it was swing. just, he had such great tempo. Like he had that reliable 15, 20 yard draw. He would play off the tee every single time. And I don't, I don't know what went wrong. Maybe it looks like he's kind of a little bit more vertical than he used to be. He used to have the club a little bit more laid off and that's kind of, potentially why he's getting the two-way miss he, has a, really he had a reliable pre-shot routine back then now it, everything yeah. seems so drawn out it seems like he's grinding over the ball every shot i'm i just go back to that scene on him at the range at Wingfoot, where i think it was on live from the u.s open and he took forever to pull the trigger yeah yeah it's tough to watch sometimes very marty pascalini okay let i'm gonna read out the matchups here we have for this week so we had four matchups. We had DJ versus Brooks, Molinari versus Spieth, Lanto versus Cam Davis, and Homa versus Keegan. Sean, we had DJ against Brooks. Pasco had Brooks. You know, Brooks made it. He battled. He battled. He had a really solid week. Yeah, it got close. You gotta be he made it a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. He did. He did I, was prepared, I was preparing to get absolutely roasted by you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was coming. It was. But... Anyways, moving to Molinari, Spieth. I took Spieth, unfortunately. Molinari had, you know, he made the cut, but he didn't After, have a great week. Oh, what do you mean? T15 for Molinari. Oh, yeah, that's better than what I was yeah. expecting. Oh. No, I, I wasn't expecting that at all. He missed the cut at the Shriners, and that was his first event since API in oh, March. So Yeah, that's kind of sick, actually. Good. I good saw him week. a couple under on Thursday, and I'm like, oh, okay, this all could right. be something. All right, yeah. Moly. All right. Yeah. We see you head into Augusta next week. Place where he's final got round borderline demons. Final round sixty six. That's a good sign. Yeah. Hey. So we had Lanto versus Cam Davis. I mean, this pillow was the fight. Easiest. This was no. This was the easiest pick. This was, it was the easiest such pick. a pillow fight. So it was easy. looking. It was looking dark for you after Thursday. Cam Davis was T two. Lanto. I don't even know where he was, but not. So, on wednesday we all picked lanto and then sean because i was ripping into cam davis sean switched to cam which looked like bad a switch. great pick at the time that's what we call a classic bad switch so mike <sighs> and i won that matchup and then we moved to homa versus keegan sean and i had keegan mike you had homa correct pick homa didn't have a great week but keegan missed the cut so Final standings. I went two and two this week. Sean, you also went two and two, and Mikey went three and one. Ooh, I would love to see it. All right. Not a bad week for the for the boys all around, though. Not a bad week, Sean. You're still winning overall. You're 16 and nine. Of course, of course. And Pasco, you've moved into second yes. at 15 and 10. I'm now last at 14 and 11. 
It's a pretty tight race, though. This is way tighter than I thought it would be. I, I thought someone would be left way in the dust. Yeah, I thought someone would have a losing record, at least. Yeah. I think that's what everybody was hoping. Somebody would get absolutely smoked. So we're running through back asswards real quick, too? Yeah, well, so who did we pick to win? I picked, I picked Lonto. Okay, and I picked Speed. Sean, you picked DJ? I did. So a little unfortunate he Woo! couldn't get it done. But... That was a stage. But I'm gonna Same close. Hint, hint. I might potentially be doubling that pick next week. Wow, going with DJ at Augusta because he is striping it, like striping it. His his good looks is just unbelievable. It's the easiest golf in the world. It has he doesn't. To be. It looks like he's not even thinking in a good way. Yeah, so automatic. Okay, so for our back asswards, this Sean, do you want to explain it quickly? Yeah, so our back asswards segment every week, we pick one guy for the other two guys. And basically, you're trying to have, I'm trying to have Chris and Mike make the least amount of money possible for the week. And you each have a team of two. And basically, at the end of the season, whoever has the most money total wins. wins. And you have no control over who's on your team. You can only control the guys that are on the other guy's teams. So yes, you're receiving from the other two pod, pod right. masters. Exactly. So it's a fun segment. So what did you mention, Sean, once you pick a player, it's off the board. I did not mention that. So yeah. That is, so once you, once you pick the players off the board. Exactly. So we have about 30 something guys off the board right now. Um, so my team this week, you guys gave me John Huh and Kelly Kraft. Kraft missed the cut. So he made no money. And huh made 19 grand. So everybody made a little bit of money this week. Everyone yeah. made a little bit of money. Yeah, and good all around week. Cute week. It was a cute week. Pasco, we gave you Michael Kim and Fabian Gomez. Kim missed the cut. Gomez made almost 40 grand. So it's yeah, showed up. You know? He was actually yeah, right there Gomez after was, day one. He was shout out Gomi. Couple off the lead. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, we gave you. What's his first name? Kadaira? Kadai God? Satoshi Kadaira. Kadai God. Kadai God, yeah. Kadai God made 30 grand this week, and Rory Sabatini missed the cut. Actually, he withdrew. Which is even worse. Yeah. Which, which is, is even worse. Scene. Didn't even tough give himself for, a chance. Tough for Saba. Okay, so total for back ass words, I've made a little over 800 grand this year. You guys have given me. You guys have given me almost a million dollars. Courtesy of Brian Gay. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out By Brian the way, Gay, one Bermuda. Yeah, so I gave yeah. Chris Brian Gay in case you you didn't figure that out at Bermuda, <laughs> and he ended up winning, which we love to see. We've got some ground to make up, Mike. We'll catch him now. We got a long season. Yeah, Fitz, I'm about three hundred thousand ahead of you, and hey, that's Mike, one top five right there. Struggling. You're about you're over half a million behind me. I know it's a tough scene <laughs> out here. <laughs> Mike, start. just gotta keep gotta keep playing defense. Best yep. defense, yep. good offense, right? Exactly. The best offense is good defense. Well, that is yeah, true. Yeah. Maybe I should stop trying to pick, you know, Jordan Spieth and Jason Day every week and pick actual hacks. Yeah, the Brian Gaze of the world. Yeah, the Brian exactly. Gaze of the world. <laughs> so, okay, Master Draft. It's Masters Week, baby. Tomorrow, officially tomorrow. Oh, it started for me. This is this Not is really tomorrow. special. Masters week in November. You're never gonna see it again. It's insane. 
I'm going to set my alarm to the Masters team. <laughs> we have the That's next great. two majors are at Augusta. It's really special. So we've been building up teams since we started this podcast. Every episode, we each pick one guy for the Masters. Has to be outside the top 30 world ranking at the time of the pick. So we've had some fluctuations, some guys moving in and out. Tiger moved out. I grabbed him a couple weeks ago. So this is big. We have two more picks left, guys, and that's going to be it. Yeah, it's, it's really creeping up on us. I have the best Masters team, and I've been saying it every episode. Do you want to give us a quick run-through of the teams again? Yeah, I'll give a quick run-through. So I've picked so far Kevin Kisner, Sergio, Bubba, Jason Day, Ricky, Rafa, Danny Willett, Tiger, and Matt Wallace. Mike, you've picked Harris English, Victor Perez, who would still be on the board right now, Joaquin <laughs> Neiman, who can't play, Cam Smith, Ian Poulter, Corey Connors, Max Homa, Lee Westwood, and Henrik Stenson. And just quickly before we get to my team, we're going to give Mike another pick at the end of the draft on Wednesday's episode because Joaquin had to withdraw, unfortunately, because he got COVID. It's very generous of you guys. Thank you. Too bad. I didn't want that. Actually, Mike, I wanted you to have to stick with Neiman there. But. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's really unfortunate. We'll give him another pick. But we'll another crack you're going to be picking from the scrap heaps. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm going to be picking from like the Jose Maria Tables of the world. You're borderline <laughs> going to have to pick amateurs. Or like Freddie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a Freddy, sick pick. Which is a Freddy, sick Freddie will have to withdraw like Waco. Okay, Sean, your team. You drafted Matt Kuchar, Scotty Scheffler, Burnt Wiesberger, Kevin Na, Spieth, Lanto Griffin, Cam Champ, Brendan Todd, and Sebastian Munoz. Why the hell did you take Spieth? Oh, because, no, Spieth was a good pick. I, I think. think it was a good pick, actually, because it's it's just the master's factor with Spieth. So, Sean, it's, you, it's Augusta. you've been hyping up this master's pick that you're about to make all weekend. And I I've really been trying have. to guess who, <laughs> who it's been, and it's really been not. I really me. have been hyping him up. And you have the first pick. So I have the first pick, so I'm not worried about you guys taking him off the board. And I was watching this guy. He was somehow, somehow he snuck his way into feature group coverage at some point this week. And I was watching his game. He doesn't bomb it. He doesn't hit it very far. But he strikes it pretty well, and he rolls the rock. And he's a big belly putter guy. And you might already know who I'm going with, but it's Justin Harding. Ooh, no. Justin Harding finished T12 last year in his first Masters. I, that says a lot to me. If you could figure out Augusta in one year as, I don't even know what he's ranked, but not in the top 50 in the world. As a guy outside the top 50 in the world, that 30, is super 30, impressive. 30. Well, he's now outside the top 50. He's got to be outside the top 50 now is what I'm saying. That's really impressive to me. It says a lot about his game, and I really like him. He's playing That's well, really actually. T38 finished this week. He's a guy that might, might go ahead and top 10 for me. You took a broomsticker. That's disgraceful. <laughs> I was watching That's- him. I was making sure his, his thumb wasn't anchored to his chest. He, he was in the clear. Mm, you never know. He starts wearing some baggy shirts. No, he, the- had, he had some tighter shirts on. Okay. He's a small guy. Can't get away with the baggy shirt. Okay. Yeah, so he's so he's actually keeping some separation between the the chest and the putter, unlike maybe yeah. Bernard Longer. Yeah, don't exactly. hey taking shots at Bernhard there. 
I'm so, absolutely taking shots at Bernhardt. <laughs> you know, right. he's broomstick, uh, forearm putting. He's been anchoring his entire career. I got to tell you, Sean, what's Harden ranked in the world? I honestly have no idea. I knew he wasn't in the top 30, so I didn't even look. That's pretty dark. So no. I have the second pick. It's and pick. He's 133rd. Picking... No. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. That's so dark. I had to get him this week, this this episode, though. I, I didn't know if you guys are going to take him next week. I don't Who think we're going to I don't think – I think he would have been on the board come Sunday I when think the he tournament was over. Yeah, he would have been on the board if we had done 20 more Masters. All right. <laughs> Remember this one when he top 10s next week. All right. I have a much better pick, and my better pick is ranked 31 in the world, just a spot outside. Ryan Palmer plays sick at Augusta. He's not he in even, the field. He's not in the field. What? No. Sick pick, dude. Sick. Yeah, he is, dude. No, he's, no not. he's not. One sec. Let me No, check. he's not. I looked he, him up. I've been yeah. wanting Ryan Palmer for a while. He's not. Oh, my God. That's really embarrassing. We're going to have to cut that out, folks. No, no, no. No, that, no. Keep that in. Just shows <laughs> how unprepared you are. Yeah. This is, okay. Um, you shit on us for being Come on. You got to make one quick on your feet now. Shot okay. clock's running. Shot clock's running. Yeah, you got running. 10 seconds. I'm picking. Actually, this is a better pick. This is a better pick. And I'm going with. Take your time, honey. Yeah, no. So I'm going with this guy. Actually, also plays sick at Augusta, Brant Snedeker. God, you fucking dick. <laughs> That's my pick. He's a sick pick. Oh, add Lord him to the team. Add him to the team. Ah, oh, you scumbag. Thank you, sir. Ah. Oh. All right, Mike. You're on the clock. You have ten seconds. I'm. He showed me a little something this week. So hopefully, you can put some rest of demons that that arose last year. So I'm going to take my fellow Italian, Frankie Molinari. Ooh, that's a good pick. I think that is a good pick. He's not going to scare the, the lead, but he'll probably scared it last year. Then the lead scared him. Exactly. <laughs> I'd expect the same. <laughs> he saw a cat and he freaked the fuck out. Cantley though. He did the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pan- Cantley's going to have a really good week. I think Cantlay's really sneaky, really good sleeper for this week. There's yeah. so many guys, though. I mean, Chris and I were talking about this. There's a million guys that could win this week, and you'd be Cantley's like, oh, a sleeper for yeah. every week. He could be he number is. one in the world, and he'd still be an underdog. And he's gonna wear. You know, he's gonna wear all black Thursday through Sunday. Yeah, he, he's like a less annoying. He's the Gary black player. cat. He's the black cat. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually. I think Gary Player is a bootleg Patrick Cantley. <laughs> with a nickname like the black cat he can't be a bootleg black knight it's the other way around yeah exactly all right well that'll do it we want to keep it it short. is masters week i'm fucking pumped let's fucking go bubba watson 2020 master champ be on the lookout for a couple of interviews coming up within the next few weeks <laughs> you want to get that in there mike really quick yeah i don't know why i said that so fast see you on wednesday bye bye i, I hit a chili dip it was off the it was off the hosel. I mean Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any yeah. takes on the e-golf pro tour? You already have iron <laughs> covers. You already look like a giant <laughs> pussy. I don't care. I honestly what don't give a stri- shit. <laughs> he could be six feet under at this point, whoever WD. I didn't watch a single <clears throat> bit of it, but I'm gonna chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Yeah, Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend so- of the pod, Aunt Betsy. 
Terrell Haddon? Are you kidding me? And there's a raccoon, no joke, like 20 feet away from me. <laughs> Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. Florida. No! You can't yeah. say Florida! 